0: Hello listeners, I'm your host James Deci. Welcome to You Are Not Alone, a show that explores the fact that despite one's genetics, country of origin, socioeconomic background, culture, tradition, and all the many labels we tend to use to describe our condition and conditioning, we have more that brings us together than separates us. The stories shared here are expressions of this experience, the hope that it inspires you motivates and helps you feel more connected to people near and far. In this episode, Ben, a recent nursing graduate from American International College, shares the story of how his mother's depression and addiction began a chain of events that eventually led him into foster care. Despite the challenges he faced, Ben used the experiences as examples of how he didn't want to be and became determined to transform his trauma. Into triumph. In addition, he emphasizes the importance of having a positive support system, regardless of whether they are one's biological family. This is his story.
1: My name is Benjamin Gonzalez. I'm a 23 year old recent college graduate from American International College. I have earned a bachelor's of the science of nursing. And I'll tell you that I have had a journey that has been up and down many times in many ways. I didn't have things easy for me. I didn't have the typical supports that most kids have when they go to college. I grew up poor, effectively, on welfare. My mom was a person I lived with primarily throughout my entire life, lived in low-income housing. lived off of public assistance. I was born on public assistance. We didn't have a lot of money, but we survived. And we and things were okay for a while. And then when I was about 13 or 14, my mother developed a substance abuse uh, disorder, which ended up leading me to go into foster care. Now by that age, I had already pretty much done a lot of growing up because before I went into foster care things were pretty stressful at home. I was really stressed about my mom all the time. I wasn't sleeping. It was my first year of high school. My grades were horrible. I almost completely failed my first year in high school. I grew up as an only child, don't have any siblings that I, I live with. And My dad, who just passed away in 2015, was actually significantly older than my mother. Father passed away at 81. My mother currently is 61, just to put things into perspective. So my dad really couldn't uh, provide for me at that time. And I wasn't really close with the rest of my family. The, The night that I got into foster care, my mother for the past maybe year had been acting very erratically. She would, you know, financially, she was very irresponsible. Like we were very, We got enough money from public assistance so that theoretically we could live a decent life. We had enough money coming in to pay for things like food and electricity and housing and very basic clothing, very basic survival needs. And over the past year, my mother, she'd become very irresponsible with the little money that we got. And she was acting differently. She... She had a history of depression. She was diagnosed with depression long before I was born. And I've been taking antidepressants long before I was born. On this particular night, my mother was acting really strange. And I know sometimes when my mother doesn't take her medication, or so I thought at the time, my mother would act very strange. She would act very different. She would be more to herself. And it would always worry me. And she wouldn't go off of her meds often. But when she did, it was a pretty big deal. So, this one day, she. We had gotten into an argument about something. I don't remember. But she said she was going to kill herself. And uh, I was. I, I freaked out. I didn't know what to do. She said she was going to kill herself. And she said she was going to take all of her pills. And then she went in her bedroom and locked the door. I'm freaking out. I have no idea what to do. I wanted to kick the door in because it was a very thin door. I easily could have done. But then I'm like, I don't know what to do. I don't know who to call. So I called the police. I called nine one one. I I wanted um an ambulance. And I called nine one one. I explained what was going on and I explained my mother's threats. I was very very open. And um, we got pretty. Uh, pretty good response from the public safety in Springfield, Mass, where I'm from. First ones that were there were the fire department. You know, it's because they're medically trained. And my mom was pretty upset when I called the fire department. Well, actually, when the fire department got there, I should say. And they were basically just trying to get her vital signs, talk to her, see what's going on. And she wasn't really cooperating. The police got there, I guess because it was a mental health call. It's their protocol to send the police out in case things got violent, which they didn't. But the police were there, which ironically enough were probably the most helpful. And then the paramedics finally came. And mom opened the door when the fire department got there because all of a sudden the house is literally filled with like six people. Six people with all their gear and all that kind of stuff. So I guess she also wanted to figure out what's going on so she opened the door. And she was still acting very erratic. She was yelling and screaming at the firefighters, screaming and yelling at me like she was crying. Her, her behavior was very, very erratic. I remember the police officer, I wish I got his name. He was basically the one that was basically taking the lead on the whole situation and trying to talk to my mother. And eventually he was able to convince, because my mom was refusing everything. She didn't want the paramedics to even touch her. Or, or anything. She didn't want to really answer questions. Like she really didn't want to talk with the police officers and everybody. They were all just going off what I said. And, mean, and meanwhile, they they all knew something was wrong just because my mother was acting. But my mom was also yelling and screaming at me the whole time. Like, why would I call them? Like, why would I bring all these people into her business blaming me for doing all this stuff? Eventually, the police officer somehow convinced her to, you know, do her blood pressure. Let, let the paramedics do her blood pressure. So, they did, they did her blood pressure, and her blood pressure was incredibly high. High to the point where they were actually worried that she could have a stroke or a heart attack. So they're like, you need to come to the hospital. And my mom kept refusing, kept refusing, kept refusing. And the police officer essentially eventually said, well, here's how it's going to go. Either you go voluntarily with the with, in the ambulance. Or I'm going to section 12 you essentially and say that you're not capable of making decisions for yourself because now we have information that Suggests that you might be potentially at risk for a life-threatening event, and you don't care So I at least can take you to the hospital have you evaluated against your will and you're not gonna like that And that basically that's how he was able to convince my mother to go to the hospital when we got to the hospital you know, I did standard protocol. I was young. I was, you know, maybe 14. You know, I went with my mom in the ambulance. We didn't talk the whole way. She was upset with me. But the paramedics checked her heart. They they did everything in the ambulance. We lived like maybe two minutes away from the hospital, literally, when they went late and sirens. And then we got to the hospital, and they, they took her urine. They They took blood. They, you know, did more tests on her just to see what was going on, to see if there was anything biologically going on with her. And then I remember, like a like a nurse or, or somebody walked up to me and was like, who are you, pretty much? And I was like, well, I'm her son. And then they walked away and then they came back a few minutes later and they're like, do you mind if I have her name and date of birth? And I was very confused because I'm like, hmm, why? We were waiting in the hallway of the emergency room, maybe three, four hours had gone by. My mom had eventually fallen asleep. They gave her medication to help her calm down because she was screaming and acting really erratic in the emergency room. And I remember the doctor came over and uh, said, uh, we think we know what might be causing your behavior. And then my mother turns to the doctor and says, do you think it's the drugs? And the doctor said, yes. She had tested positive. for." Several substances. Was she taking your medication? I still don't really know. But it was then that the hospital uh, must have called, you know, DCF or Department of Children and Families. the, the You know, your DSS, your Child Protective Services. And from that day on, that's essentially when I had DCF involved in my life that day ended I ended up going um to my aunt's house that night because they actually sent out a social worker I think it happened on a weekend they sent out a social worker to the hospital actually and the next day I also met with somebody else and they interviewed me and they asked me what has been going on and I told them pretty much everything because at that point I was pretty distraught I didn't know what else to do I was sick of living with my mother the way that she was and You know, I was really not in a good state, so I was just... Because my mother had always told me not to tell other people what happens in the house. And I decided that I didn't want to follow that rule anymore. You know, I told them what was going on about how my mother has been really irresponsible with money, how I eventually just took control over everything. I made sure that I got a hold of the money as soon as it came into the account. And I went and I paid all the bills for the house and all that kind of stuff. And I was doing this as a freshman in high school, and my grades were suffering, so they were concerned. But otherwise, I was fed, I took care of myself, I showered, I had clothes, so I mean, I wasn't running around the streets doing crazy things, getting in trouble. They actually didn't uh, put me into foster care for almost a year. They gave my mother multiple chances, because objectively speaking, I'm as much as my mother might have substance abuse issues, I'm technically taken care of, minus the whole school thing, but for the for the present moment, I'm not exactly in immediate danger. I've demonstrated that, which is different from how things usually go. By September, the school year had just started, 10th grade now. They said my mom needs to go to therapy. She chose not to. They put me in therapy also. They let me stay with my mom. But they were doing very frequent checks, like I think every week, sometimes twice a week they could, there was a social worker that would come out and basically check on me and check on my mom and make sure that she's following up and see if I'm following up what I'm supposed to do because they gave me a service plan too, which was basically like I'll go to school, I'll, I'll do what I'm supposed to do and all that kind of stuff. My mom had one too, and she was supposed to go to therapy and all that kind of stuff. She went to therapy, but she also had to submit drug tests and she failed them multiple times. And basically, that's why I was put into foster care. Because despite me being able to take care of myself, uh, take care of the house and stuff, our government decided that it wasn't a good idea for me to be at home with my mom. Well, I, didn't, I didn't agree with it at the time. I agree with it now. Uh, my social worker and I had gotten really close. She was part of my support network, for sure. Because she's gone above and beyond for me. I was in high school, and I had a cell phone. She literally called me on my cell phone at school and said, Ben, I'm going to court. I'm filing to place you into protective custody today. She wasn't really asking if I wanted to go into foster care. She was telling me what she was doing. And I just said, okay. Because I felt like I was, as much as when DCF came into my life, things had improved a little bit. But things were still very tense and very, very, you know, they weren't really improving. To the point where they needed to and then a couple hours later she calls me back and she's like yes i i went to court and i i I submitted uh for custody of you and the judge granted it so i'll come pick you up after school and i will take you back to the house so that you can go pack up some clothes and then you're gonna go to a foster home and then they'll be you'll have a van to come pick you up and bring you to school the van didn't start until that Monday, because I think that she did this all on a Friday so that I'd have the weekend to adjust to all this, I guess, without having to worry about school. I remember the first foster home I went to, my social worker, she told me all about them. She's like, There are these two uh, a couple, they're retired uh, corporate executives. They're both retired also from the military, Air Force, and they own the computer store. And they sound pretty cool. Because I was very interested in computers, I was interested in the military. I remember my first night was uh, in the next town over in Ludlow. I was in shock because I woke up and it was a regular day. And then the next thing I know, my whole life is different. I remember lying in bed that night. It felt so fake almost. It almost felt like I was living in a dream. I was like, this isn't really happening to me. It was a completely different house. I'd obviously never been in there before, but it was just such a foreign environment. I remember that feeling of just lying in bed in sheets that weren't mine, and with a pillow that's not mine, and a mattress I've never slept on It's not mine, in a room that's not mine, in a house that's not mine. And I remember that's when things kind of sunk in as I'm now a foster kid. My foster um, parents... On the first day, they were very supportive. They were very nice. Uh, you know, they, they they understood a little bit about what was happening, but they don't really tell the foster parents the whole story. Like, they give them, like, a general overview, but they don't really give them a whole lot of fine details. But they weren't pushing. They weren't, they didn't really ask anything. They basically just, they explained the rules. And they had been foster parents for many years. uh is a good thing and a bad thing at the same time. Overall, wasn't bad. I just, you know, I, I distinctly remember lying in bed and just being like, wow, this isn't my house. This isn't my bed. This isn't, this isn't feel right. I can't sleep here. This doesn't feel right. But I knew that it was for the good. After about a week or two, I I settled in a little bit more and I just continued to go to school and try to do the best that I can. But after that experience, I was probably very traumatized. And one of the things that I do to deal with stress is I distract myself. And I chose to distract myself with school. So it was beginning of 10th grade, and that's pretty much what I did. I became an excellent student. I made sure I did all my work, went to all my classes. I had absolutely perfect attendance, did not miss a single day of school, not a single tardiness for almost three years straight. I think my senior year, I had a couple tardies. Pretty much perfect attendance. After my 10th grade, I had maximum honors, which is literally straight A's in every single class. And I continued that out throughout my senior year. I I think I got like an A- somewhere along the line. But I pretty much got straight A's. I graduated near the top of my class. I wasn't higher because my first year was horrible um, academically. I just began to just really understand that I have a choice in life and I saw my family and I saw what my mother has gone through and what my father had struggled with and I realized that they were not the most educated group of people and because of that they were forced to live a certain lifestyle and I didn't want that for myself, and I don't want that for myself. So that's part of the reason why I decided that I wanted to make sure that I figure out something in life. Go to school, because I'm, especially in college, I'm not the most, I'm not inherently academically gifted. I just work hard. I try hard. I, I figured out what I needed in order to be successful, essentially. Sometimes just enough to be successful, and sometimes that's okay. I graduated from high school in 2011, and I decided that I wanted to go on and become a nurse for a lot of reasons, and I was fortunate to have been accepted into American International College in Springfield. I just graduated this past year with my uh, degree in nursing. There's many times when things are hard in life, and I always did my best to try to look at everything. Uh and and you know, say things to myself sometimes when things were tough, like it could always be worse. Like, you know, it's a cliche. People you've probably heard that before. But it really is true for most people. And it's a weird perspective to have. Like it could always be worse. At at the end of the day, my situation was pretty bad sometimes. Um I didn't really talk about my sexuality. I'm gay. My mom wasn't exactly so okay with that when I first came out to her and there are multiple times where things were violent but if you want to be successful in my opinion I think you need to overcome and if you remind yourself that there's always somebody out there worse and it might be, might be a little shallow a little petty but you know there's always somebody out there worse I don't I shouldn't be complaining I should just suck it up and do what I have to do and that's one of the things that I feel like has Help to motivate me because as worse as my situation is, my worst day ever could still be worse. I might not have a place to sleep. I I could literally be starving. I could have a horrible disease that I can't cure because I don't have the money to pay for the medicine. None of those things are true, and I'm thankful for that. And just having a somewhat humble perspective on things I think really helps. But at the same time, just understanding that, you know, you might be having the worst day. You, know, you you might have gotten into a horrible fight. You could have even gotten shot. And there's still somebody out there who could have had a worse day than you. And that's one of the things that I think has helped me. But probably the biggest thing that has helped me to be successful and to overcome obstacles and things would probably just be the support network. I'm thankful that I was able to somehow figure out inadvertently but I think that's really important because nobody gets anywhere in life by themselves. They need, they need a group of people. You know, the old cliche goes, uh, it takes a village to raise a child. And I think that's certainly true. It takes a village to raise anybody. Creating a support network. Isn't the same as just having one because you can have one and you can modify it. However you like, because it's yours. You choose the people who you want to have in your life and, And to what extent, and and some people, and and that's something for me personally that is a little different just because the first thing that a lot of people are going to say is, well, you can't really pick your family. You're right, you really can't pick your family, especially if you're underage. You really have to just do what your family says, but um, you know, I, I guess one positive of being an only child that gets put into foster care is that I really do get complete control over who I want to associate myself with. I think that I tried my best to pick friends that had similar drive as I did, friends that didn't get into trouble, friends that had a pretty good head on their shoulders, friends that I could trust. And there were many times, because I, like I said, I grew up as an only child and I wasn't really close to my family. There were many times throughout my life where I've had to lean on friendships, where usually you can just lean on family. And I am forever thankful for some, well, for all of the positive experiences that I've been fortunate to have received.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of You Are Not Alone. Your positive feedback is appreciated, so please like, comment, and share. To keep up with coming episodes, please follow us on Facebook, SoundCloud, and iTunes. Stay tuned for more to come.